It's the SDG Podcast. Before we get started, you can check us out on the web at solutiondesign.com slash podcast or find us on all the social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Solution Design Group. All right. Welcome, everybody. So uh, let's do introductions. Uh, we've got Bennett, special guest, Bennett Verhey, one of our data people. Hello. Um, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Who are the rest of you all? Our regulars. Hi, I'm Els Tahura. I'm Peter Lawrence. And I'm Kyle Bacher. And today we're gonna we're gonna talk about I it's hard to come up with the title, uh, but basically it's click click done. <laughs> yeah. Come on. And we're gonna find out what that means. <laughs> um, but this kind of started as I was working on some upskilling, <laughs> a term I learned existed yesterday. Upskilling. Um, Upskilling. Mm -hmm. Yep. Not just I learning. Think that's just learning. No, no, no. You have to have a fancy word for it. It's, Otherwise, you know, it's I've not been real. upskilling. I woke up, did some upskilling. It was awesome. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff with <clears throat> data and trying to become more data literate. And it just, I keep running across things like reports and charts and graphs and all sorts of stuff. Um, I need some help. <laughs> so how do you how do you know you need some help? So I guess let's start there. Well, I just want to understand like what it all means. You know, and in in my private life of reading the internet, like there's all sorts of data. And with our current, you know, last couple of years, there's been a ton of data. Um yeah, I just, so I was thinking as a person working on data literacy and kind of getting up to speed, um, just on what's out there, the state of things, as I've been reading through, I feel like there was a data revolution that happened and that I missed it. Um, Cause there's all these tools, different kinds of databases now, things like that. So as a person getting up to speed, but then I thought as a company, like if you're still on, you know, an access database running on a PC in your closet where you stored like, you know, 20 years of sales data or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and you want to join the the modern age, if you want of the data revolution, like how do you get there? Where do you start? Um, First of all, it's not a revolution. It's an evolution, I think. But <laughs> nobody revolted. <laughs> nobody revolted. There, there was there were no wars fought over this. There was just a slow change over time. From from the access closet database to uh, to what we have today. I don't know. There there might have been a little bit of a war. Um, if you look at the Amazon cloud, they. Their backend used to be Oracle, and there was um, they eventually got off of it, but there may have been a little bit of a war there. Well, and you know, in different companies doing things differently and not you know having agreements with everybody that that's that happens in business. But you know, there were no there were no conferences about let's stop using SQL forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. SQL never makes sense. Never, 
Although there is kind of, I feel like, the annual conversation of, here's the new language that's going to replace SQL, and, oh, look, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> some some oldies are goodies. <laughs> but yes. I'm, I'm curious, so, Bennett, the, the question that, that Kyle posed, I think, is something that you run into all the time with clients. Can you talk a little bit about, let's say, if we had a customer that had... 20 years of sales data on an access database on a personal laptop. Why, <laughs> why might we not want to continue to do that? Um, well, in my case, uh, something that just happened, my laptop, uh, the hard drive crashed. Um, so that Zoinks. takes a little bit to recover from, <laughs> for one. So getting the data somewhere else is good getting the data somewhere else that's secure is even better and then uh going from there uh getting it off access maybe getting it out to a place where you can use it a little bit better um where many people could use it a little bit better and then maybe some place where machines could use that data even better and just keep going up that ladder yeah laptop no good and there's not enough power in a laptop too to to do a lot of the stuff you might want to do. Um, say the cloud has to offer. Yeah, so you're just. Talk... Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Kyle. Okay, so you're just basically you have an opportunity to position your data in a place to make it vastly more useful and um, easier to work with, integrate with. And it can even help your uh, business, like make decisions, automated decisions. Um, how would you like even go about that? Like if I'm, if I'm, you know, um, that person that's um, that IT person that needs to move this data into the cloud, like what is that? process looks like you walk in you sit down you have that meeting of where do we start what are we going to talk about first well what what do you want to get out of the data what do you need what do you want to do with the data is another so you, you have the data the data is an asset it's kind of like money um, you can have it you can bury it in the ground you can open your laptop up and throw it in there or you can put it to use and make more money with it um, same thing with your data. You can shove that data into a laptop and do nothing with it. Or maybe you can put it in a place where it's going to do something for you. You can say, you know what? We have 40 years worth of sales data. And we can look at trends. What's happened? Hey, around Christmas time, we make these widgets and we sell tons of them. Nobody ever thought about that. But looking at the data from that perspective, Maybe we should make more widgets and sell more widgets during Christmas time or or whatever time of the year. Um, many clients I've worked at, their sales have, there's a very particular busy season. And then there's one that's, you know, maybe uh, there's, there's a lull and you have time to work on things, change code and whatnot. Um, and so you could, you could plan around that, hire people in, um, do certain activities with the business that are going to be extra productive or the ROI on it's going to be much higher at different points of the year. So 
yeah, coming into where do you want to put your data? What do you want to use it for? What are your ideas around it? But basically making it work for you. That's the and, thing. And we're, we're kind of uh, dancing around this, starting with a laptop with an access database. And um, I think we all pretty well are, let's hope, um, years and years past the access database on a laptop <laughs> stage when we start talking to someone that, that, oh, let me show you our data and pulls out a laptop and demonstrates it on. No, that doesn't happen anymore or not as a often. giant spreadsheet. Yeah, as it used <laughs> to. Macros and Excel. And, yep. you know, there's, there's still departmental ones, but I think from a company standpoint, everybody's got a, a pretty good data base storage system somewhere that they've been working on for years. Um, but I think one of the things that we're talking about is mining that data, right? And getting in there and finding out patterns and, you know, sales data with heavy seasons and stuff like that is pretty obvious. But what are some of the less obvious things that you guys have mined for? Maybe Al, you could start us off and um, I have uh, worked on mining on on various promotional campaigns so trying to see if a particular um marketing strategy was effective so as to mm. better um help the business understand okay should we continue doing campaigns like this or is this a giant waste of money and we should not waste further money by doing <laughs> right. the same type of thing um i think it's it's worth calling out even from an internal perspective you know uh analyzing logs for your application is data mining you know how oh, how is your application performing how long is it taking customers to get where they need to go and what kinds of errors are we seeing so that kind of um at initially might look like internal only but very much has external consequences um if we really analyze the data that we're we're so aggregating. like metrics or I want to see a dashboard. I, I feel like our website's slow, but I have nothing to really prove that, right? Like, yes. Can can we tell that the website's slow or is it just on my computer because I have this access database, the 20 years of sales data on it that's slowing it down? Yeah. And then you get into scenarios where as you as you do analysis, the you increase the likelihood that you're going to want to look at multiple different sets of data. So combining things like sales data with Google Analytics to see, okay, how does this correlate with customers' actual behavior as they're going through an application? And that's something where um, it's worth modernizing your data infrastructure, your data architecture, because you want to Ideally, you want to get yourself to a place where you have maximal flexibility and utility. So it's like this this is a setup that works for us now, but is leaving doors open so that if we want to bring in other data or maybe integrate with a different cloud and on-prem, um, <laughs> that you're you're able to to do that. And that's something that the you know laptop-based data storage is not. <laughs> set up for you you are really limiting the options that that you can go after well and even yeah. even in that that fixed mode you know we talked about data warehouses right or we used to talk about data warehouses but we don't talk about that anymore at all right like bennett have we talked about data warehouses ever lately 
<laughs> I'm sure there's still have. a place for them, but yeah, and 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 if they're providing value to a, a client that they where they already have it in in place, by all right. means, that's. But I don't think we're building out greenfield projects necessarily with data warehouses. Um, moving into the data lake and and beyond, um, kind of what Al is talking about, the flexibility and utility. Um, so data lake versus data warehouse what is that yeah. difference um so data warehouse is highly structured it's a little bit brittle it's hard to change things uh, data lake is a place where you can put all of your data whether it's structured unstructured whatnot you can you can just put it all there it's the the bottom the lowest point on the map all rivers run to the lake um so it's going to be able to store everything now whether you want to do something with that that's a that's another thing um, or how you do it rather access that um, data mine off of that platform is a little bit different so but going back to l's point logs 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 i yes that's awesome to be able to say hey we had a slowdown on the website around three o'clock or hey the customers are going through our website on this path when they should be taking this more efficient other path what's going on with the ui is there something you know, can we can we make that? And it's going to hit 15 less API endpoints. I don't know, something like that, where you can make things more efficient. It's going to cost less. Um, things like that. That's funny you mentioned that because um, as a developer, when there's a system outage or something like that, first thing we look at is the program. The second thing we look at is all right, data folks. Was there anything going on in the data world that made it happen? <laughs> <laughs> is the transaction log full? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think to to kind of expand on on what Bennett was saying with the the data warehouses versus data lakes that we so you I guess for the like five fifty thousand foot level view, you have, you know, a transactional database or, you know, a group of transactional databases that are storing um the data that is kind of actively being touched by an application. This is where you're writing data, this is where you're reading data for, you know, small transactions. Data warehouse was the idea, um, was built around the idea that um, the transactional database is structured in such a way to make it as fast as possible for those small reads and writes. But that doesn't work well if you want to do analytics or reporting that's aggregating a lot of records together over, you know, a period of years or a, a certain number of product attributes. And so it has a different structure, um, but it is, um, it does, like Bennett said, it has a rigid structure because traditionally it has involved that you predefine all like your calculations and your attributes ahead of time. So these, you had these projects that would take you know, months, if not years, to get years. a yeah. <laughs> like so, so we always hope for months. It never is um, to get something off the ground so that you can build reporting off of it. But the problem is that takes a long time, which then requires that uh, a good chunk of the business supports putting money into something that has a longer term payoff but in even in the mid in the middle of developing it your data might change you might have a new attribute you might have a new product and mm -hmm. and so you, that rigidity doesn't make it super flexible so the the response to that has been data lakes where you um, 
you still have like your transactional data stores, but then you just kind of dump data into a little corner and that can be a playground where people can then take all of this data and aggregate it in, in however they want to. You can have some of that data like copied and prepped so that it's more easily analyzable, but it, it basically allows you to store piles of data. You can analyze piles of data, uh, but not require that rigidity that a data warehouse needs. Now, one thing, Bennett, that you brought up when we were talking um, a couple of days ago is the, the data lake house. So can you talk a little bit yeah. about that? I, yeah, I think that it's it's automating some of the items that you were talking about. Um, say somebody's got a great idea to combine photos with maybe some machine learning with some transactional data, and we want to kind of mesh that all together. Everything's sitting in the the, the data lake, and we're going to define some processes that can take that and say, hey, you should, you know, here's the action item, or here's the recommendation, or here's the graph that comes out of that, and then start building some of those items um, from this massive amount of data that's been collected in the data lake. Uh, if but I then, can, oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I was gonna, I was gonna make make a mention, kind of going back to the data revolution, or rather evolution. Uh, a, a point devolution that, come on depending devolution. on who you listen to <laughs> yeah um <laughs> all right so um i think uh one of the big enablements has been the cloud because of totally how data used to be was all right we have our massive sql server or oracle database that's sitting on top of super expensive hardware that's back in a closet or maybe it's offsite in a data center but that has to be supported by an entire team of people and the amount of effort and cost and networking uh, that goes into supporting something like that, let alone changing or upgrading or whatever. And, and now, and uh, to the title, we just log into our favorite cloud provider and go click, click, done. And there it is. <laughs> so we can spin up something, we can make it bigger, we can scale it down, we can size it right for our budget, and we can have it right now. We don't have to wait. And going back to that years of spinning up a data warehouse, mm -hmm. that part of that was getting the right hardware on site or wherever mm -hmm. it needed to be to spin yeah. that up. Um, and maybe you got it wrong and now you got to go buy, you know, and it's hard to walk into your bosses or your boss's boss's office and say, I need you to write a check for, you know, lots of commas. So <laughs> yeah, these, these were never single comma checks, right? No. Or if they were, no. they had all the digits. Yeah, 19, uh, 2002, um, fairly, you know, regional retailer, not nationwide, not global. Um, new system, the database side of it, $7 million yep. for the data back end of that. And that included like the data center and the plastic to keep the water from dripping on the data center and the fans to position mm. in front of the data <laughs> stacks or the systems. But um, yeah, like that's that's a ton of money and i'm guessing that you could do that way cheaper nowadays with the cloud yeah 
and and to the clouds, you know, if you have a seasonal kind of workflow or seasonal business like we were talking about before, you have this multi-million dollar setup running at 1% CPU doing nothing. And you still have to pay for the air conditioning. You still have to pay for the building. You still, all that. And now, you know, some of the items in the cloud are elastic. So you can spin down and save a ton of money and then spin way up during that seasonal peak. Well, so, and, oh, go ahead, Kyle. How do you, um, like through this process of modernization and, you know, getting into the cloud and using all these awesome tools, um, how do you like identify the good stuff and get rid of the stuff you just don't need to store? Like, are, what if you're, are you gathering too much? Are you gathering stuff that doesn't matter? Like, is that part of that process or is it just, Hey, we got so much space and we can do so much with this. We're just going to grab it all. Cause you never know. Uh, I'd hate to throw anything away. I've still got an AC adapter for something that's like 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I storage is cheap. I be, So with that in mind, like if you're in the cloud, it's kind of comical how cheap storage yeah. can be. Now, granted, when you're dealing with terabytes, petabytes, yes, it does start to get expensive. But generally speaking, it it's good to have more data than you need because to your point, Kyle, you never know when it might come in handy. Um, right. The, the nice, the additional benefit of being in the cloud with your data is that you can tier that data so you can specify, okay, this is, this is something that we're grabbing. We don't ever really look at it, but we just want to have it in case you can store that in a quote unquote like colder storage that costs even less. Um, so there there are absolutely ways of storing more than you need in a way that is cost effective and sets you up well should you ultimately need it in the future. Awesome. I will I will just say that that one of those things is that the cloud makes amazing for people and and just seeing it day to day is all the different decisions that you can make and that yeah. that they're not long they're not a long-term decision right you can decide i'm going to store this here and then oh well it turns out we're not accessing it as much as i thought now i can easily with you know not maybe not click click boom but you know a couple click, of clicks click click boom <laughs> yeah <laughs> A couple of clicks later and you've moved it into a more cost effective storage and you know in the the big data center side there was not there was not that option to roll this seven million dollar pc out the door and replace it with something you know the no three and it's, a half million dollar one that decision is like okay we're stuck with this now we're going to be living with right? this mm -hmm. for a while this is it are you sure like the yeah just kind of the the uh, connotations of that were great. Well, like, and, yeah. and, and kind you, of you, no, go ahead, Bennett. You also don't have to have the team of people that are supporting nope. that. The cloud takes care of all of that, so you're you're getting a cheaper price, and you're you're not married to that infrastructure, and the 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 team that's supporting it. The team that's supporting it is transparent to you. 
And I just want to say that for all of the system engineers out there that just cringed and got sick to their stomach because they thought <laughs> they're going to be put out of a job. Uh, no, you're just moving from systems management to service management um, and freeing up like time to do that piece better without getting like taken down because a switch like burned out you know there's there's a <laughs> lot of advantages it's it's way easier than um you know dealing with all the hardware s s stuff or if a backup battery maybe went out and yep. you right. physically had to go replace it yes um, not that you're speaking from experience. <laughs> but and and if you're if you are an IT manager and you move to the cloud, don't fire your systems engineers. Oh. No, you still need them. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you're going to get a lot more out of them. It's going right. to it's going to be a boost. So, uh, I just want to get that out there cuz I hear that concern. Uh, I've had that concern before. Well, and not only that, but you've heard here's some managers going, and then we can fire our our that whole department. It's like, no, no. they just are going to be doing things differently. That's it. Yeah. Now there's there's greater security concerns. There's a lot of configuration that has to happen. Yeah. Um, there's there is a kind of a agreement you make with your cloud provider, like. This is what we're going to give you, and then the rest is up to you to ask for, to turn on, enable, even get another app or something. Like, we're going to take you so far, and so it's not it's not real. Like, you don't just flip a switch and and you're done. It's not a black box. No. Peter and I were just talking about this, so I guess it's another uh, benefit of the cloud, but infrastructure as code. So yes. I, can, I can write, you know, a couple of commands and click go and boop, I have a new database and I can run that same set of commands against another environment and boop, there's another database. Um, it, there's a lot of configuration that goes into that. Or um, I think of but, like we had you know, it's trying to store SSIS packages in any kind of version control. And there are these just <laughs> enormous files because they're not only storing the actual like data pipelines and transformations, but also where did I put this box within the field right. of the package itself? And just that's not valuable. <laughs> so I to be able to have um, like ARM templates in, in Azure, for example, as a way to just, okay, yes, I can... I can infrastructure my code that ETL. And yes, I turned that into a verb, but yeah, you're totally right, <laughs> Bennett. I just want to say as a as the IT guy, as the systems engineer, um, it's really helpful to work for a company that has a ton of cloud experts. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it would be. Makes makes the cloud uh, a little easier, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's saved me, saved my bacon on many occasions. Um, yeah. One of the things that we we haven't, I, th I don't think, talked about more specifically in terms of having the 
infrastructure as code and having the scalability and the um, reliability and of the cloud is that as we've gotten that flexibility and, and as data's gotten to kind of reap the benefits of cloud, there are some things where we're getting, we're, we're picking up more practices from like the quote unquote, like traditional application development world. So the idea that because it's super easy to spin up um, databases or storage accounts or notebooks or whatever, that all of a sudden you can start to have branches of different yeah. data, which is to me one of the really exciting things. There's some. Yeah, I, the stuff you can do now, like even me, a simple, you know, computer caveman guy. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I whipped up a report where I had to tie into, you know, our sales system and our, you know, um, recognition um, system, um, SharePoint and Salesforce. I had to pull data out of both, do some math, and then present it on a page for people to look at so they, like, knew how much people had left. You know, it's like just that just that um, has been valuable. It saved me from having to look things up um, and do math on my own. Um, <laughs> but that took me like two hours right. to do. And I hadn't really ever used, I haven't ever, I haven't used Power BI that much. Um, but in two hours, I was able to figure that out and whip that up and integrate it with two different systems, like that's amazing. If totally, you know, I mean, think about it. Yeah, uh, we've got our like low code folks who are just like, cool, you got your data in, in a Power BI data set, cool, let's pipe it to SharePoint, let's pipe it to a a, a Power app. And yeah, it's it's great because it, it enables more detailed like technical work, like if you have PhD data scientists, cool, they can go play, but it's also enabling less tech or data savvy folks to also look around and, and get at what they need. So I read an article. Uh oh. <laughs> it had the words data scientist. Peter said the other day that those are the four most dangerous words. Those are the four most feared words in technical. Technology, really. <laughs> I read an article. So um, explain to me what when you need a data scientist and really what they do versus having a Bennett or an L come in and help you modernize and integrate and do ETL and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Explain to me like I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> Bennett, go for it. All right. Um, let's see. You're probably tiptoeing into machine learning, maybe a little bit more than that. And you have a couple things set up and maybe you want to make your own um, models so or, or algorithms even. Uh, a data scientist, probably somebody who has a PhD in some mathematics field, probably statistics, something like that. And they probably know a lot of R, which is a statistical language um, and machine learning. There's there's a 
bunch of things, but it's it's very math and probably uh, um, it's a, more of an academic language, I would say, too. But there's a lot of people that do that kind of spectrum that are, are data scientists and they're going to help lead a team of individuals that are digging through data, maybe like data analysts, data analysts. They're digging through, looking at different things, trying to figure things out, asking good, hard questions, and then seeing if they can prove it one way or the other out of that data. And then from there, uh, operationalizing that, uh, that would probably start to fall to other teams in order to operationalize that and make business decisions, whether that's, it's, and it's probably micro decisions where you're passing in some amount of data and you you need a classifier or you need to know a certain you know number or the, whatever the the model will output and then taking that and and doing something with it so if you are looking to hire a data scientist or scientists you're probably um toe to knee deep maybe waist deep in machine learning or something along those lines yeah like the the data scientists are great when you have chunk of data like you have the data available and you can have a person full-time or it can be a part-time obviously too but there's enough work there where somebody can dedicate most if not all of their job to analyzing that data statistically so or and which it does include a little bit of you know data prep not a little bit it includes a lot of data prep and um cleaning but data scientists are great when you have the the ingredients for the recipe i would say a uh, like ETL developers, data developers are better when you need to set up the, um, like you need to go shop for the ingredients. Like how do we get the data into that store in the first place? And is there, you know, occasionally like Bennett or I will, will do some data analysis, but it's going to be um, not uh, Bayesian statistics <laughs> level. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, okay, here, we can help you get started on, reporting on analysis on just getting some um, pointers on where can I start looking at my data. But so, so you're more a little bit higher level up and more broad, right? You can you can pull reports from lots of different places and put together, you know, queries that'll get you the data that you need to yep. build build the tool, you know, software or whatever that you want. If you're trying to answer a specific question about the data, that might be a data scientist. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Totally. Okay. So, and you guys, you guys come in and help businesses like, hey, these programmers need this data. These programmers need that data. These report, these business people want to know this report. And it's yes. pretty general and it, you know, it's or not like this department's sales report doesn't match the numbers on the other department's sales report. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Weird. That, You'd think that the reporting sales is reporting sales, right? You would oh, think. Yeah. <laughs> Except their data data lake house is different, maybe, is that, yep. in that that case, right? So they've each got a little different piece or a different look at the business and, and need to need to line those up and need your guys' help to get that totally discrepancy fixed, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I really like that analogy of the ingredients. And once you have all the ingredients, then it's time for a data scientist. That was 
that was good. Yes. Occasionally, a coherent thought comes through. And and some brilliant. companies take years to get the ingredients. Totally. Right? Yeah. Some and companies. I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's why um, I'm sure Bennett and I have had this conversation, and Kyle and Peter, maybe you run into this too, where just you have clients who they've read an article that says I need to do data science and they want to say, okay, how do I go from point A to Z, which is data science? And it's like, well, right. we need to take it a little bit more piecemeal because <laughs> you're not only is, are you kind of trying to run before you can walk, you're also not going to get, you're not going to really reap the values of data science if you are missing that foundation and that, even just the building up of relationships within a company of just like having conversations with other teams about what they're looking for. Like that happens as you are better, as you're architecting your data, as you're getting into reporting and right. so kind of ad hoc analysis, um, which yeah, makes the data science a much better bang for the buck. It's, it seems like a side effect of like going through that kind of modernization process um, would be having a much better understanding of your business, of your organization. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and maybe you don't even need data. I mean, this is going to sound funny, but maybe you don't even need data science. If you're a, yeah. a local retailer, mom and pop shop, you can do data modernization and have things automated and in the cloud but if you don't have hundreds of thousands of points of data to help make a decision in for future you you probably don't need that um, now if you're um international conglomerate you really need it because your competitors are going to edge you out unless you don't do that so there are you know places where you need it or don't need it but yeah mom and pop yeah. shop maybe not yeah, and I, I think that also brings up the idea that you may not need it because there are third-party tools and libraries that can even do that work for you at times. So I think of like, you know, there are recommendation algorithms that are just purely run by different companies. You don't need to have a data science com a data scientist come up with a new recommendation algorithm if you can, <laughs> if you'd rather just not worry about the management of that and work with a, a pre-built tool. And the cloud has a lot of those that you can totally. just plug and play. So again, the cloud, yeah. you don't need to have that whole infrastructure there because maybe you only can afford a tenth of it or only need a tenth of it. But you can click, click, done with uh, mm -hmm. some of those plug and play things. And and I will I say that I'm just going to jump in here, Kyle. Um, I would say that sort of data scientist is, I mean, most of the places that I've worked in in our community, data scientist is not a position at that organization at all, right? They're making forecasting, they're doing all of this reporting and everything like that, just based on plain old data and, and getting things done with, with the data that they have, rather than like, we need to know exactly down to, you know, the, the grain of rice, do we, do we plant that grain or do we save it and sell that grain of rice, right? Like it's not not necessarily, you know, all data science everywhere, right? Especially with the cloud tools that exist now. So are there 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's public data sets out there. Yep. Like demographic data and mapping data. And like, is there a lot more of that now? Is that something that is kind of emerging as well? It's like data sets you can type or plug into. I know a lot. I, I know several places that have um, have done that, and and even there's there's paid data sets too, where people will have a data set, they'll advertise for it, and say, hey, I have this. Do you, you know, and and people will purchase that and use it. Um, so I I think with the cloud, it's a lot easier to create, transmit, and store that type of data. So yeah, yeah, I think that that's something that isn't new from an academic perspective, like, you know, scientific research labs, yeah, they've had giant data sets forever that uh, some of which are shared across institutions or, or researchers. I think as, as the ability to integrate those data sets has become easier and as just the awareness that data is valuable has increased, there's been an increased adoption of Hey, yes, I'm going to grab that. So, you know, a, a, I think the classic example right now is if there happens to be a pandemic going on, we can use public data sets of um, disease incidence rates and see how is that affecting our sales? How is that affecting which types mm. of products get purchased versus not? So, yeah, I, I do think it's going up, but not necessarily because we have more data sets, just that there's more appetite for it than there has been. Well, and and Kyle, you mentioned Power BI, but I don't know that th that existed in 2002, or I don't remember when it came into into being. I remember it being exciting, mm -hmm. but yeah. I don't remember when that like was. It was part of, yeah, it was like there was, Office they started doing or... stuff in Excel you know, that way and SQL Server, um, I think SharePoint even had a chunk of it you could turn on. Um, and now it's like its own thing. I had to look it up. Apparently it's 2014. Yeah. See, so yeah. that's eight years. That sounds that's, about right. Yeah. And and we're in internet years now, so they go way faster. So then, then like the 1914 years, you know, <laughs> Bennett, you brought that up um, when we were talking earlier too, just the idea that uh, it may look like a, a data revolution, evolution, something evolution, um, because there's a lot, a lot of new development that's happening. But part of that is just because once you kind of get into the, over the hump of, yep, now we're, we can work in the cloud then you can actually iterate so much faster yeah. um, than you could before. And it's it's crazy to see some of the new tools coming out that are just so much better. And some of those things are like, I wish this would have been a thing. And now they're actually coming out with they're like, wow, they solved this problem. That's awesome. So and is there is there one just kind of like an example of one that got you excited recently? There, yeah, there's one that um, that I've been using recently uh, called Dagster. So I'll I'll leave it at that. But it's there's some cool cool new features. Um, they're solving a lot of issues that have been big issues forever. Um, so there, but there's there's many tools that are new that are like that. So, but yeah. 
Well, and even just looking at your background, um, for those of you on video, we can see the the leaps and bounds that, you know, AI has made, right? Like, <laughs> just imagine, I mean, Hollywood was doing this a long time ago with green screens, but I'm pretty sure you don't have a green screen behind you right now. So, um, you know, just, just the technology to do that would have taken, you know, how many rooms of computers back in the day and now we just expect it on our laptops and, and whatnot, right? And that was probably post-processing. This is real time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm blown away. I'm speechless. Uh, <laughs> just blurring the background. That's our next podcast. Like, what's happening with this blurred <laughs> background? What goes into that? Uh, so, um, if I'm if I'm an organization that is doing things like we've done them for 20 years with kind of the same systems, um, things like that, like what's, and I want to modernize, like, and I want to become a data-driven organization. And like, how hard is that process? Like, where you got to go in, you got to get some people that understand that can help you become data literate and things like that. But really, how long does that take? Uh, and what is that process? And kind of who do you need for it? Oh, the million dollar question. Yeah. So it's a million dollars. <laughs> if you have a million dollars. <laughs> to get it right is. I, but. I think you can talk about specific technologies or roles but the real the in my experience the really big thing that will make or break something is is there appetite in the company to change is there appetite in the company to try something different that may push people outside of their traditional responsibilities are there people for example in the finance department who are comfortable like learning about how they can do forecasting in tableau for example um, instead of trying to individually type in data points in a, a worksheet um, because it's it really it will be as successful or as much of a failure as the people who use it will will let you be like it it really so, it's for all of the like data automation and like we're gonna have the machines do everything like it's it comes down to the people still. So you're kind of in an organizational change management position, totally. where it's there's kind of sales of the concepts and what it's gonna like. Here's the why. Here's the benefits. What it's gonna do for you. Here's the possibilities. It's gonna open up. Here's why it's worth all the pain and suffering we're going to put you through. Um, learning the other, the stuff, changing. Totally, yeah. The other thing that I would just add quick um, is also find find a proof of concept project. You know, don't say we're going to modernize, which means we're throwing everything out the window now, and we need to spend years completely changing our process because it's going to take so long for you to see a return on that investment. Start with a, a good um, 
a good use case in a very a specific use case so that you can prove out the capabilities that this kind of change will do because people are are much more likely to get on board if they kind of see like okay the world didn't fall apart or the developers didn't get laid off or the finance team didn't lose their mind you know things like like then they can say okay it, it's safe and i can I have a better idea of what the sandbox is so that I can start tweaking it a little bit as we expand. And you'll grow your team's skills at the same time, right? 100%. They're going to get they're going to get these skills and and you know be better able to choose the next project and move the next project, right? I, I had an experience long time ago and something along these lines where we had to change technologies and mm. there was a certain department that was going, no, we're never doing this, no. And so it, it, like Elle said, we created a POC, did all this and sat them down in a room and said, here's the new thing. Mm. And it, it took them seeing that, realizing, oh, so we could spend a day, you know, maybe a couple days of training and it's gonna save me eight to 16 hours a week of doing this other thing that I don't have to do anymore because of this. Oh yeah, yeah let's do that. And, <laughs> and things went from there. Yeah. Those are the best experiences when you can, when you can make life changing changes with some simple tools and, and instruction and, and like the lights go on and everybody is so, so moved by that. It's amazing. I think even the just the exercise of doing that kind of discovery, um, you know, looking over, like looking through your data, looking, trying to understand, like what's what are the magic numbers that we, if we had these magic numbers, would help us make better decisions, save money, save time, you know, what, how can we remove boxes from this process? um speed this thing up you know j I just without without like clicking anything or moving anything just understanding that getting starting to think like that i think has value so like if you're going to do a prototype after you're done with the prototype even if you threw the prototype away mm -hmm you're going to get value out of going through that process. Yep. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's and, my and, parting thought. And okay. <laughs> and, and really, you know, you guys can come in at anywhere in the process, right? Absolutely. From, from the laptop of, of the start of this podcast to the giant cloud data source at the end of this podcast, anywhere in between, right? And help out and and make changes anywhere along there right just because yeah. you've gotten to the cloud doesn't mean you're done no and i and i think that's a good kind of callback to kind of the beginning of our conversation with which is data technology is at a point where it is iterative and we're not um asking companies to commit to this is how we're going to store and use and analyze our data forevermore so because we're building in that kind of flexibility, yeah, we can jump in whenever because there are always little tweaks you can make or new opportunities that show up because, you know, 90% of the 
heavy lifting is out of the way. It's like, oh, okay, right. well, now that we're here, let's talk about role-based assignments or security right. or how do we spin up like a, a dev copy of your production data, um, yeah. things like that. That keeps maintained and keeps up to date and refreshed regularly and, and you know, all the things that developers want and yes. never have had for a long time, right? Yes. That's yeah. where some of those sysadmin jobs are going. Totally. <laughs> trying trying to keep up with all that and that's hard. Oh yeah. Rolling with the changes every day, looking through the list. But now we're I doing think, this. Why? Yeah. And I think that's that can be a really fun thing though, when when our jobs can just sort of be how do we make other people's jobs easier? Yeah, and if right. it's okay, this person, you know, on our on one of our product teams always seems to really know what how we're gonna do in terms of um like inventory for next year like okay so we need to make sure that they have time to do that analysis so can we automate some of the data pipeline so that they can spend more of their time doing that right excellent i feel like we could drill into a number of the different areas we talked about and go even deeper and expand on it. Um, just the idea of like the process of coming up with that prototype, um, like that starting, like planting the seed, digging the hole, putting the seed in, covering it up, putting the water on there. Like anybody can do that. So what is that piece um, that a company can get started with before you need the arborist? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where we'll have like a a three-part series where bennett just tells us what we need to do <laughs> I i'm looking all. forward to that mm -hmm. all right the iterative cycles that's the way to do it <laughs> three parts all right done. tune in the next Aww. time when bennett's going to help us iterate <laughs> uh, until then say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody Bye, everybody Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Solution Design Group is a digital product consultancy in Minneapolis. Check us out on the web at solutiondesign.com or look for us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Solution Design Group.